2: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.
3: This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra117. And you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast.
2: Now, finish this fight. Master Chief,
3: out.
0: What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 446. This one for June 2nd, 2020. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined as always by Destin Legare. Bam! Yes, there it is. When waiting for it. And Miranda Sanchez.
1: That startled me like a, a little bit. I didn't show any reaction, but I was, I was just like a little, so I was like, wow, it's a fam day.
0: Yes, and uh, our special guest host, I'm going to be turning it over to this gentleman in a minute. Uh, his name is Khalif Adams. You may be familiar with his work from the Spawn on Me podcast, which is phenomenal. I was uh, lucky enough to be invited as a guest there. That's how I became aware of it last year. Khalif, welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I am unbelievably excited right now to be rocking with all of you. I've been watching your work for a very long time and super excited to finally come through and, and come hang out with you all today.
0: We should have done it sooner, uh, quite frankly. But, you know, it's it's the the, the world events. I mean, we're, we're going to get to gaming. We got a lot of Xbox stuff to talk about. Uh, but first, you know, it's the, 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 the we can't not address what's happening in the world right now. We've had. You know, the, the gaming world is kind of press pause. The Sony's PlayStation 5 event pushback. Everybody's kind of taking a breath here because we are in an e- exceptionally trying and difficult time. And if you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen me post my thoughts about this over the weekend. And that's, uh, that's kind of what got me thinking about, like, all right, well, what, what can I do as the host of this podcast on IGN? And just in my life to try and to try and listen more, to try and hear more of a black perspective and, and a perspective that I didn't grow up with, that I that I need to hear more of, and understand more of, and be more empathetic towards. And boy, I've just I've spent I've spent the last few days really as as this entire country has has been uh, in pain, uh, physical pain, emotional pain, and for me. Uh, it, it's okay. You know, what, what is, what can I do here? What is the next, what are the next steps look like? Well, you know, I've been following Khalif on Twitter since I appeared on spawn on me last year. And, and I, I got to tell him off the air and I, and I posted it in the letter that I put up that Khalif your perspective and and that of Sharif who I was on with, uh, with the show at the time as well on spawn on me, uh, along with a few other folks is, just that, just your voice, just your voice, just that perspective, has really helped me look inward a lot uh, and really start to be more, to try and be more uh, understanding and and just listen, just just listen more, just hear a different perspective. So I really want to thank you, and I, I uh, and I'm and I'm so glad you were kind enough to accept the invitation to to come here and and take the host chair, and 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 I do want to say. This, this won't be the last time, uh, you know, we want to have other folks on too. This is, this is not just like a, well, did my part, had somebody, had had a black creator on, that's it. No, this is, this isn't the first thing, but this is, uh, this isn't the last thing, but it's the first thing. And so, uh, yeah, I just, I just thank you for your perspective. Thank you for your voice. And you have been, you and others in, in the spawn on me community have been greatly helpful to me. Uh, I watched your entire your most recent episode as of when we record this. So we're, we're actually recording this on uh, Blackout Tuesday, uh, which is so. It, and uh, your most recent episode as of now is episode three hundred and thirty-seven, mm-hmm. which uh, is on Twitch. If uh, or or uh, just search for Spawn on Me three thirty-seven on Twitch or on YouTube. You've got it under the the episode title of a lesson in blackness. And I, I really cannot recommend that everybody take the hour and 55 minutes. It's, uh, it's a long episode and just listen to it. Just listen to it. So, um, Khalif, before I turn it over to you, I want to give, uh, cause we, we do have plenty of Xbox stuff to talk about. I want to, uh, let Destin and then, and then Miranda just, uh, just chime in as well before, before, uh, the, the floor is yours and, and we get, we start talking some Xbox. Destin.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just to start, I'm incredibly happy that we have this opportunity to elevate you know, people from the black community and allow their voice to be heard. And yeah, black lives do matter. This isn't, there's nothing else that needs to be said beyond that. There's no but, nothing else. That's it. And I'm incredibly happy about what IGN has done. They're actually stepping up um, and making a positive impact. Today we announced what we're doing today for blackout Tuesday and that uh, our sister company humble bundle, they have announced a $1 million fund dedicated to helping publish games by black developers. And I was so happy to see that. I don't like promises that ring hollow. And that meant a lot to me that I work at a company that actually did something. And I got to figure out what I can do to be better about these decisions. And, things that I can do. And that's it. That's all I want to say.
1: <laughs> uh, so for my Yeah, for me, um, I've been doing my very best to post as much as I can as far as resources go for learning because learning is something that you have to do always. You always have to do, learn to be better. Um, I know a lot of people have said it. It's not enough to not be racist. You have to be actively anti-racist. Um, one thing I will encourage you guys all to do is to talk to your families. If you know someone in your family voted for someone who is fucking everything up, I will not excuse myself for saying that either. Um, you, you have to talk to them. It is our responsibility to change things. I can post as much as I want on Twitter or on Instagram, but I know where the people who need the most help understanding and know how to move forward, I know where they are. And they aren't probably on Twitter, and they probably aren't on Instagram or the people who are following me there. It's my own family that I need to talk to, and that is really hard. And you can probably hear my voice. I'm getting really worked up because... That's, that's a call I'm having today. And it's not fun, but we have to do it. We have to do it to be better. And we can do it. And it is worth your time. It is worth the hardship that that may be. Because if we don't address these things, nothing will get better. So you can do it.
2: That's amazing. And, and, and thank you all for, for lifting your voices up to do that work. It is very, very difficult. It is a thing that is not easy to do. I have folks in my in my in-laws family that I have to, to, to have those conversations with and have had those conversations with for a very long time yeah. uh, but this is, a, this is a really good first step in terms of not only using the platform that you all have and IGN as a platform doing this work uh, but it also is very very important to continue to push that stuff forward and continue to do that work because sadly and, and, and unfortunately we will see more of these incidents happen because of the way that America works so yep. being able to um, Stamp your, stamp your flag and, 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 and put that down as a thing that you want your community to understand is very important. So I'm super excited to, to rock with you all today and to, to talk about games today, which is going to be really, really fun.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great. And uh, I want to show and it's just a chance to show everybody. You've been doing a great show yourself for a long time. Happy to to give yourself and, and spawn on me a little uh, a little extra visibility, awareness, maybe in, in to some folks who haven't seen it before. So let's let's talk some Xbox. The floor is yours, my friend.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm super excited about all the things about Xbox is going to do. I'm really excited, actually, to talk about the initial story of the week. Uh, Sony is taking a very different approach to compatibility compatibility. There was a great conversation over in games industry. Uh, CEO Jim Ryan said, quote, "Uh, we believe that when we go to all the trouble of creating a next gen console, it should include features and benefits that the previous generation does not include. And that, in our view, people should be able to make games they want. And, and and have most of those features. We do not believe in generations and we and whether it's the dual shock, I'm sorry, the dual sense controller, whether it's the 3D audio, whether there's multiple ways that the SSD can be used. He said uh, that they're thinking about ways that the PlayStation community to give them something new, something different, and that can really be enjoyed on the PS5. It's interesting to hear that conversation happen, and I'm really interested to hear both of your thoughts around we see that cross-gen is going to be a thing for this generation. We see that the conversation yeah. around the games that are coming out very, very soon, including The Last of Us 2, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, and, and others are going to be on a PlayStation 4 first with the PlayStation 5 coming up soon after. These, com- these conversations around what's going to happen for cross-gen are very, very new. What are your thoughts about the ways that we're going to wind up seeing this cross-gen conversation go? And then also... You know, with third parties being a part of that as well, do you know or do you think that any of the ways that those are going to work in terms of the delivery systems are going to be that different, that they're going to be able to actually do what they say they're going to do? Does smart delivery seem like it's going to be a thing that is actually going to happen? Um, Destin, I want to to go to you first and and get some of your thoughts about that.
3: Yeah, so... Honestly, I hadn't really thought about it from this perspective before, because Sony is making a hard line and saying, you know, you know, PS5 is going to be its own thing, and it really allows developers to harness the power of that console. It was, it was a really, really interesting philosophy, and I kind of see where they're coming from, believe it or not. Now, inversely, I'm also really happy that Xbox is just offering support going forward and throughout the generations, and you know, they're going to be able to do that. I've also been PC gaming for a long time, and I get a hard time because I keep bringing up my PC on the show. But
1: <laughs>
3: but I like the fact that I can go back on my PC and play old PC games basically at any time. Sometimes it takes a little trickery to get them to work properly. And the fact that Xbox has standardized that, um, it's good, but I wonder if Sony's on to something. I don't really have the answers here. I'm definitely going to take a wait and see approach, but I'm super curious to see what the PS five comes out with. Um, As we all know, they delayed their conference. So we're going to be seeing more about that in the future and uh, more from Xbox soon. Yeah. Yeah. about that.
1: You said that yet?
2: I was going to say Miranda, you had any thoughts about kind of the way that all those uh, new delivery systems and the cross gen conversation is going to wind up going.
1: So personally, I really appreciate what Microsoft is trying to do with this and making it so that no matter where you're playing, you can get these new games and that they really respect the community that needs maybe more time to upgrade or maybe they just don't want to upgrade yet. Because I know there's so many people out there who stick with their current gen systems for a really long time um, because they do have the ability to buy those new games, maybe not going to be as impressive as the next gen stuff, but... I think it's still very valuable to have that option, and I think it's very smart for Microsoft to say, "Hey, we want to make this as available as possible um, on all of our systems on PC." Like that's that's kind of the thing that they've been going for so long too. Whenever it comes to their first parties having it um, launch on PC and on Xbox, so. I I can also appreciate what Sony wants to do with the PS5, although I do think it's very limiting. Like, honestly, these features have to be very impressive if they're just trying to exclude people who play PS4 and don't want to upgrade to the PS5 yet. Like, it has to be something that's just like, wow, we could not have this game without this. And if it's not, then it's not worth it, and you're just excluding a big part of your audience so that you'll get them to upgrade faster. Which, sure, is probably a thing that they want them to do, but, you know, not everyone wants to upgrade the first day the system's out.
2: Yeah, totally. Ryan, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, especially about the, the conversation that also got reported from Eurogamer saying that, you know, now devs are being told that this is kind of part of the process now for going through cert to say like you have to have that that previous PS4 compatibility now with the PS5 uh, coming up in the space too. how do you think that they're going to wind up messaging this out too, to consumers? Because there's always that conversation about like, how do you figure out how to get people from their old consoles to their new console? we know that launch titles are always a little bit difficult to kind of start the gate when you go into a new gen. Uh, what are your thoughts about that?
0: well, it's it's interesting to me because I, I this is gonna sound ludicrously Xbox fanboyish, but I really <laughs> believe that like I, I wonder if you guys will agree or disagree. i I think that so obviously this is this is like the first major line in the sand between these yeah. two consoles, right? And in, in my opinion, you know with the the hardware differences, there are, I think relatively minor, right? Like you've the the Xbox seems to be more powerful overall. The word on the street that seems like the PS 5s a little faster on the throughput with the with the hard drive and the loading stuff. So okay, you know we're re- but we're, they're based off the same core chipset platform. But here it's a policy difference now, right? It's right. it's uh, it's okay. Xbox is all about everything works on everything, and it just it'll be. If you're playing it on the best console, the Series X, uh, in the Xbox family, it's going to take advantage of that. It's going to look the best. Whereas Sony's like, forget it. We're moving forward. More of a traditional generational approach. And it's kind of the, almost the thing of, because Sony won, they had such a dominant generation. I think if, if it were reversed, uh, as far as the policies go, and if Sony was the one that was pushing... Oh well, no. We're, everything works on everything, and Microsoft was the one saying, "No, this is the line in the sand. We're only supporting the new generation going forward." I think we would see people super embracing that. But instead, the the general narrative that I'm seeing out there, and I don't want to speak for this as like a broad thing, but what I'm seeing on like in response to on the IGN account, which is you know a big multi-million follower account, on my accounts and out there, uh, is is a lot of people going, well, good, I don't want my games to be held back Mm. by Mm. the old Xbox, right? And the thing is, I can't definitively combat that or agree with that. It's kind of, it's now it falls upon Microsoft as the one embracing the cross-gen philosophy and as the underdog to to actually show that their games are still going to take full 12.1 teraflop advantage of the new power and and not be held back because you know those sony first party games are gonna look good like you can pretty Mm -hmm. much take that to the bank so it's again it's like that july conference that that's currently scheduled for july where microsoft's finally gonna show all their first party stuff man there's a lot of pressure on them for that
2: (laughs) I mean, that's going to be really difficult for for one. You have to now try to weed through the scuttlebutt of the like who got the worst version that always winds up happening when you have these conversations, which is mm-hmm. super difficult from a company perspective to message out and do all that work. I think Xbox has done a fantastic job in this generation to show kind of a roadmap to the future, right? They've talked about it with X Cloud, where everything plays everywhere. Game Pass is still the best bargain in in, in gaming and gives you so much more Flexibility, being able to have things come out on the same day and also being able to have cross-saves, usually when you come from console to PC and back and forth. I I do wonder how Sony is going to figure out how to message this, especially when you have games that are really high-profile, Last of Us 2 and Ghost of Tsushima coming out fairly soon, um, and then not getting able to get ahead of the conversation because of them pushing back their most recent uh, reveal. So it's going to be... Very, very uh, interesting to see what they do in that space and if they're going to have to then talk about that in a very specific way when they finally reveal the box and talk about that kind of stuff. So uh, it's, it's going to be really cool to see what they do, how they frame that, and then also what the community kind of does when they when they finally get to that part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah it's really did...
0: – Oh, go ahead, Destin.
3: Yeah, it's interesting just listening to you guys talk. I was looking up the old consoles. PS2 was backwards compatible. PS2 was one of the best consoles made at the time. Uh, the PS3 was backwards compatible. I guess I can't quite the say the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no, like one. if you, ha- the P- if you the had the old, one. yeah, the, the big one that, that I bought. A sought the sought after
1: one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, that was backwards compatible all the way to the PS1. I, I wouldn't say that those hurt those consoles. You know, yeah. so it's interesting that they're taking this philosophy. They did it with the PS4 and they're gonna do it with the PS five, that hard separation.
0: Hmm. But it does it does seem like the that with the, the other policy that Khalif mentioned about now any new PS four game moving forward from I think it was July in the notes mm-hmm. here, uh will be required to work on PS five. So that seems like that does open the door for Sony to do smart delivery themselves, where potentially if you buy a game, what you only have to buy it once, but we, that's definitely, it's not going to apply to first party. So that's, that's different. Cause they definitively said the first party games, boom, PS five only we're, we're leaving PS four behind, but it at least does set them up to, to maybe not get left behind on stuff like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, where Microsoft's already said, Hey, you buy this on the Xbox One, and you just get it on the Series X. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's gonna be really interesting. The mess, Cully, if you're so right about the messaging, like on both for both consoles, the mm-hmm. that's gonna be critical here.
2: Yeah, I mean, you had a chance to talk to the uh, Xbox Series X Director of Program Management. Uh, Jason Ronald a little while ago and 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 talk a little bit about, you know, backwards compatibility. And he shared a quote, uh, with more than 100,000 hours of playtesting already completed, thousands of games already playable on Xbox Series X today. From the biggest blockbuster, blockbusters to cult classics and fan favorites, many of us in Team Xbox play on the Xbox Series X daily as our primary console. And switching between generations is seamless. By the time we launch this holiday, the team will have spent over 200,000 hours ensuring that the game library is ready for you to jump in immediately. Again, strong messaging, right, where we see them being full throated about what you're supposed to be able to get and which games will work and which titles you'll be able to play from not only just the previous generation, but past generations as well. So it's good to see them, you know, not only kind of double down on that from a messaging standpoint, but it gives again with Sony kind of still waiting in the wings to show what their box is going to wind up being, a really good space for a consumer to say, okay, I may be hitching my wagons here early. Uh, and Microsoft, as we all know, kind of needs that needs that momentum to go forward, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, go F- ahead, Miranda.
1: Fusion Fancy! Xbox Series X. I'm do. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, I think they're they're just really trying to cover the race and say nobody should be saying where are the games because they want to make sure that we have probably too many games to play at launch. So that is, like you said, very good messaging and that they are really instilling this idea that they are prepared to make sure that we're going to have a good experience at launch. Um, I don't know. It's very exciting. I
0: I, had, I specifically asked Jason when I was on the phone with him, like, OK, does this mean literally every xbox one game is it full backwards compatibility and he said he he gave (laughs) apologies (laughs) to jason kind of a pr answer (laughs) he said the goal is definitely the thousands of titles that run on xbox one today so Mm. just just say yes the goal is everything (laughs) but anyway he says um if the game runs on xbox one it is our goal to get that to run on series x there might be some one-off exceptions here or there uh, noting licensing or technical issues. So uh, for instance, like, I don't know, a Tony Hawk game that has some licensed song in it, that then the, the terms of that contract necessitate that it can't be on like another platform without the the licensor or the song creator getting paid again, something like that. So, I mean, it's it's a far cry from Sony coming out and saying, yeah, the top hundred PS4 games are going to be playable <laughs> on PS5. Like, and and history will judge, right? If any, like, mm-hmm. if anyone cares that it's that it's only a hundred PS4 games on PS5, and then they kind of walked that back and said, "Well, we'll have more after that." But it's going to be kind of interesting because compatibility is like, it's a, it's been a a topic. It used to not matter at all, and now yeah. I feel like generate little by little. Like even the the 360. You guys remember when the 360 came out? Halo 1 and Halo 2 had baked in backwards right. compatibility. You could put your Halo 1 and Halo 2 disc in because they knew that's what everybody still played, and it would work on the 360, and then it just started building and building and getting bigger from there, whereas, Destin, you pointed it out, like, Sony's kind of gone the other way. They used yep. to have backwards compatibility. Yep. It was, the, ch- the chip was literally baked in to the initial PS3s, and then they got rid of it and they've kind of more or less walked away from it. So, I don't know how history is going to end up judging this.
2: Yeah, I guess my I guess my question to all three of you it would be we've seen this conversation happen again over every generation where you move from one to the other. The conversation around backwards compatibility has been huge in terms of those conversations. Do you really think that consumers care in the ways that they say yeah. they care?
3: Oh, yeah. yeah, I I care. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like when halo was able to be played on my 360 that was yeah. awesome. I I want I want that secure blanket feeling of knowing that my whole library isn't just going to be, you know, laying to waste and then resold to me a few years later. And yeah. so yeah, it's definitely important to me. And like the the stuff Xbox has been doing has been awesome. I just played through Assassin's Creed 1 a yeah. 360 disc again and they enhanced it. It's like all new textures like it looks absolutely it's basically the pc version of the game right and uh i played through it on xbox one and it looked dramatically better so yes this is hugely important to me and and they did they did at one time say that the percentage is actually smaller but but i think for like the core gamers out there we want to have our library intact
1: yeah, I think that's it's just like having the option. It's like, oh, I still have I'm not even joking. I still have my box of and Frenzy from the, X, from the original Xbox. Like I, I still have that. I still have Amped. I still have all these other games. Like they're important to me and I love them. And if the feeling ever comes up that I could just pop the disc in and it works, then that's like <laughs> just just so nice, even if you don't use it that often. And I think there are definitely Uh, people out there who have very large physical libraries and knowing that they don't have to drag out their old Xboxes to play any of those is probably goes a long way of just like, Oh, this is like a nice thing for me. Even if you don't use it that often, it is still valuable.
0: And I I think it's more important than ever to building off of what Destin said because games are designed to have really long tails. Now, Destin, you've (laughs) been playing between one and two. You've been playing destiny for six (laughs) years now right basically yeah uh, it gives
3: you a reason to sign on and play it
0: six years straight not like six Mm -hmm. years like you dip into it like you've been playing that game consistently for six years that that series so uh so yeah have like the comfort of the of knowing that that's gonna just work on your new machine that's like that's huge i think that's makes compatibility more important than ever
3: yeah. yeah, it's great yeah. and and that particular game is a really good example of how they had to adjust because they ha- they developed a cross play? No, cross save. You can't play oh. like with PS4 mm-hmm. people, but like if I sign on to my PS4, oh, yeah. my Destiny character is there with all its stuff. If I sign on to my Xbox, my Destiny character is there with all its stuff, but you can't play with those platforms together. Like
0: Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah.
3: If I'm making sense there.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, contend. like...
3: Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, Destin. part. No, that's it. That's all I was going to say. I love Destin. I was just going
2: to say, I contend that <laughs> the, the, the conversation for next to... cross to next-gen is more about cross-saves than it is about cross-play. I think that's going to mm-hmm. be the, the, the conversation that we see really kind of bubble up to the forefront uh, in terms of that conversation for next-gen and other consoles going forward. Um,
0: Th- does, of- does it matter to you, Kelly? Do you... Like, are you... Where do you kind of personally lean right now are you kind of looking to just embrace the next round the next gen and and just move on or or do you kind of do you want that those old games hanging around or do you plan do you think you'll dip back into those regularly i have
2: have backwards compatibility compatibility fomo from time to time like it's totally a thing that pops up from now and again it's not often yeah uh, because i i i am a sucker for pretty and for new and all that kind of thing you throw a blinky light in front of me and i'm like squirrel okay that's great um (laughs) So those things are easy for me. Um, I, I do think it's more important with this previous generation, or I should say, this current generation going forward, because there is a very specific ask because of the way that games are being made. You have many more games as services. You have lots of different games with long tails. You have all these different kinds of ecosystems that encompass in, in, in DLC that that you have to worry about, and all those things that we didn't really have to think about with the PS2, PS3. And, you know, the, the the other old Xboxes in that space. So having, you know, hearing Xbox be kind of, again, full-throated about what they want to do gives me hope that even if I choose to, I don't have to think about it. It'll just do it. Um, and it'll probably look better and look prettier and do all that cool stuff as well. So I'm, again, it's all about messaging for me. Just tell mm-hmm. me what I'm going to get, and then I'll be able to kind of figure out what I need to do with my dollars and where I kind of want to uh, put those going forward. So...
3: Have you guys played any of those, like, uh, Miranda, have you played Fusion Frenzy or Fallout 3 or any of those games that got the massive upgrade on Xbox One? Because it's astoundingly good. Like, they're really, really well done.
1: I have played Fusion Frenzy a little bit by myself. It was really sad, so I didn't play too long. I don't want anybody here with me. <laughs> but, uh, the,
3: the
0: saddest sound in the world is a, is a four-player party game being played solo.
1: <laughs> he just signs
3: on, fast. you win. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, it does look very nice.
2: That's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear what people are going to do when they, when they wind up going back. Like It's, it's going to be cool, I think, day one. When everyone pops open the box for the first time and then sees what's working and what's not, and then how good uh, things have kind of looked with the upgrades. I'm sure that on YouTube will be a lot of different videos that show, you know, the comparisons between what we've played before and what we have now. So that's going to be very, very, very cool. Um, IGN.com. Yes, exactly. We're totally going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Kind of speaking about not only uh, backwards compatibility, but kind of looking forward. I know you all remember that conversation around NFL 2K being back and 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 being in the space again uh, and how they wouldn't necessarily be making a SIM game. I guess we know why now, because EA has announced this renewed its partnership with the NFL and the NFL players association Ensuing in su- in, in that ensuring, <clears throat> I'm sorry, so that several more years of Madden uh, games will be on EA Sports. Uh, and after a press release, they said su- they shared a, a multi-year renewal of the partnership means that more f- football Sims uh, will be coming to EA, as as well as additional innovative ways to play through new games, expanded esports programs, arcade style, and enhanced mobile experiences, and more cross across platform experiences as well. I am sad about this news. I'm very sad about this news, because when I think about, again, backwards compat games, NFL 2K, uh, NFL 2K, 2K5, I think it was, is the best football game on the planet. And I don't care what anybody else says, because it's true. And it was 20 bucks. It was. So here's a couple of really quick things about that part, which I thought was super interesting. In a time when people were trying to play, EA was trying to pay 50 bucks for a full fledged game. And they tried to undercut NFL 2K. Cut them, like you said, to 20 bucks and everyone bought it. It was a game that everyone, even if you weren't a fan of 2K football, you wind up buying it just to see if it was still as good as what you had an expectation is, expectation was and compared to the other game. I am infinitely sad that they're going to not get a chance to put another game into the space. Well, I'm, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are about, again, EA kind of putting this stranglehold on the ability for other people to kind of get into the space. Uh, Ryan, tell me, what, what are your thoughts about this? I'm really
0: yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it is a bummer. I mean, when we, uh, when we had the news goes, that? that was like a few months ago, whenever that was now about, about 2k coming back and then everybody got excited and then it turned out, oh, well, that's just going to be for like mobile casual experiences. <laughs> Not, it's going to be anything but a simulation. Now we know why, <laughs> because it turns out <laughs> that EA and the NFL just decided to renew their exclusivity agreement. And gosh, Khalif, you're so right. Like, it's the competition. I mean, okay, look, Madden's been pretty good. I know maybe there's some Madden diehards that might just be like, no, it's and it, they're and they're frustrated with it not improving enough every year. But it's like Madden's good, but competition would just make it better like you 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 hit it on the head with like two NFL 2K pushed Madden so hard that they ended up just like paying for their own exclusive ball <laughs> so that no one else <laughs> could play with them like that's how that is the level of competition that that benefited gamers the $20 NFL 2K5 or you know possibly the greatest sim football game ever made yep so i mean if anything I don't I don't I wonder how EA uh Tiburon the the yeah. Madden development team like feels about this. Like do they put pressure on themselves in like a tangible way or they or do they I mean I'm sure they always they of course want to make the best game they can make, but like it's gotta just inherently be a different kind of pressure than if you have the the other that that rival that's pushing mm-hmm. you like the, the heyday of before it imploded, you had NBA Live and NBA 2K. And those two in like the late original Xbox era, man, like those guys, those two teams were pushing each other mm-hmm. hard to make, to make better basketball games. And so, yeah, like I'm with you about about being sad about it. And it's because there won't be that rivalry to, to make it better for gamers in the end.
2: Yeah, I just don't know what they're going to do in that space. I wish that they had the ability to kind of push forward. Uh, Miranda or Dustin, do you have any thoughts about, you know, kind of EA just, you know, taking the ball and literally going home
3: with it again? <laughs> yeah, I mean, competition drives innovation, right? Yeah. If you have another brand that's doing football and they're doing it really, really well, uh, that's going to force you to constantly be thinking and, oh man, how can, how can we enhance this? And I'm sure they're already thinking about that, but with no one to push them in new directions or challenge them with new ideas like oh look what this other team is doing maybe we should try something similar to that but with our own spin on it like that's just not happening it's just going to be EA sort of you know challenging themselves internally but that means in the end we just we get one level of a product versus you know other ideas sort of encouraging them to improve and enhance what they have yeah it's a bummer. TLDR, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I have nothing to add <laughs> to this conversation <laughs> aside from uh, echoing the thoughts of the room. Kelly,
0: are you are you a sports gamer? Or do you play any oh. sports games?
2: Oh, huge, huge, huge! I play I play a bunch of the show, uh, which yes. is really fun. Which is interesting. Coming to Xbox. I'm, yeah, I, I'm saying I'm so happy it's coming to Xbox, Xbox too. Um, which is interesting because I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I love the show nice Uh, big 2k fan love wrestling games love fighting games all those kinds of things i've been dipping dipping my feet into fifa and weirdly nascar of late too Uh, especially when the e-racing thing was kind of coming into the space because of covid i was like let me check this out in a way that that i haven't before because i know people driving in a circle that seems
3: fun um
1: have have any of you been to sorry to interrupt have any of you been to a nascar race before
3: i want to go one time not nascar but i've been to a race yeah
1: okay i just needed to know i have i grew up in texas so it was like a big deal which i kind of forget about sometimes but i've also tried it's weird
3: destruction derbies i've been to a few when i was like younger that's what they would do for fun sunday sunday
1: Sunday. yeah
0: Yeah.
2: that's also a thing i always wanted to go to i wanted to go to a monster truck rally for sure but yeah Mm -hmm. i'm a huge sports fan inside Mm -hmm. and outside of games uh and and, i'm sorry for my my poor nicks uh for, oh. for all the wonderful, terrible things that they have to go through. Oh, in this
0: J- James life. Dolan, possibly like just desperately trying to hold on to the title of worst owner in professional sports. I, mean, I feel bad was, for Knicks fans.
2: If there was uh, ever a connection to Destruction Derby, it would be James Dolan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the realest thing for sure. Like,
0: Khalif, I don't know. Do you remember uh, when the basketball games were coming to 360 from original yep. Xbox? EA actually wrote, like, they completely redid it live from the ground up, like, with a new engine, like, to f- yep. take full advantage of next-gen, whereas 2K actually at the time kind of just evolved, like, they did a more slow evolution of what they had. Mm-hmm. So it, if, it turned out, as if I'm remembering this right, where, like, 2K had more kind of fleshed out gameplay but the the, like the but the visuals weren't there in the early part of the 360 gen whereas ea went like shot straight up in the in the next gen visuals department but had to like it took them years to get their gameplay back before like ultimately live bit the dust but oh yeah i like madden i would think will probably just continue to evolve particularly as you, they still need to support PS4 and and the Xbox One, but I almost wish that. And I, again, this is me like not knowing anything about game development and whatnot. But like, I, I wish <laughs> the NFL required EA to to be like, okay, well, you need to take you need to incubate like another separate development team to just build a total from scratch next gen version while you, you know, if you, if we are going to be the only football game, we want you to be able to like maximize the heck out of any of the platforms you're on. And I know the realities of game development mean that's probably not going to be how it is, but, but they, it's, it just, it reminds me like they did do that with NBA Live back in the day. And I just want to see like sports because sports games, I love them too. And it's just, you want to see them leap forward. Cause like the gameplay is always the same. Cause it's like the core of it. Cause it's the, it's a, professional sport it's a simulation of a pro sport where the rules don't really change so it's like we want to see the we just want to see it look better and be more realistic
2: yeah i mean that that transition from which i forget which engine nba live was using prior but that there was a big push on ea's part to move everything to frostbite at that point and everybody was trying to move everything internally in e, in ea studios to, to the frostbite engine and 2K, yeah, they, they, whatever engine they've been currently using and continue to have used over the years, I'm sure has evolved and changed some. But I'm with you. I think that the, the interesting space about sports games is that they are always the canary in the coal mine in terms of where we see graphical leaps happen. Um, it's usually, you know, uh, driving games and sports games as the kind of uh, here is what your next gen experience is going to look like, uh, which makes me even more excited to see what 2K is going to do when you have all that horsepower on an Xbox Series X. And then, and then everything else is going to be what they look like, what they're going to do. I'm sure everybody near Mama is going to be there. Like, look at the sweat. The sweat physics is <laughs> fantastic.
1: That's exactly uh, what I was thinking at first. It's like the like the drips of sweat, everyone's faces is what they're going to the highlight. oh man. Yeah, it's so like hot like in here. It's
2: moist on these videos. These <laughs> games are just great. Like, it's just the humidity in these arenas. They need to get the air conditioning. <laughs> There's something in that.
3: Um, Remember, so Bioshock the movie- was the water. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: it's, it's like, it's going to be cool to see how that stuff actually winds up playing itself out. But it is, it is very much like I'm with you. Uh, that's the spot where you'll see the biggest leaps early. Um, and we'll see again how they iterate on some of that stuff. But to me, the sports gaming genre needs a lot of help in terms of making that space more accessible to the people who aren't necessarily already in sports gaming spaces. So alongside the graphical fidelity. I'm hoping that the conversations that they had about, you know, how the hardware is going to interact with some of those things will kind of come into game development as a part of the process too. So that's going to be really interesting to see what they do there. Um, In other news, BlizzCon 2020 got canceled. Uh, BlizzCon has officially announced that there will be no BlizzCons this year due to COVID-19. And in a blog post, Blizzard uh, officially announced that it's come to a very difficult decision to not have BlizzCon this year. Uh, And however... Company says that it wants to channel the BlizzCon spirit and connect with its fans online, and also because of the logistics and the different factors involved, any BlizzCon online alternative will most likely be sometime early next year in 2021. Ooh, that's rough. Again, we see another big conference go down because of COVID. I'm sure lots of folks in the Blizzard side were really excited. Um, I'm I'm, I'm curious. Uh, Again, what are your thoughts about kind of not only where BlizzCon is going to wind up going because of this cancellation, but more about where do you think they can go and pivot to these kind of more online spaces that we've seen more companies kind of push as alternatives to their physical events? Uh, Miranda, what are your thoughts about BlizzCon kind of uh, getting canceled this year?
1: um finally i think everyone who if anyone still has something on the books like what are you doing please just <laughs> go ahead we already know it's going to be canceled just announce what you're going to do um i'm kind of surprised that they're saying that's going to take that long for them to get something together for 2021 um just because i don't know if they just are behind them planning things they, i don't know they, I don't...
0: Did say, they did say early next year at least but, so maybe they're hmm. not trying to push too far
1: yeah i don't know i feel like it's okay to be harsh on Blizzard because they've fumbled a lot of messaging and a lot of things that they've done in the past. Like, if you don't remember, we were all protesting those clowns recently, like, you know, a little while ago yeah. uh, for very important reasons. So I feel like being a little bit more harsh on them is probably fine. Um, and especially because they have a lot going on right now. They have a lot to answer for, like, the stuff with Diablo. Like, they just got someone really great on their team. Rod Ferguson is leading Diablo now. So I want to know what they're going up to with that because – I like that guy a whole lot, and I think that he could probably help them get their stuff together, figure things yeah. out. And I want to know what's happening there. Uh, I probably won't play it, but <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> um, I'm also, like, one of the people who's not, like, super into Blizzard games on our team. So that's also why I'm a little, like, meh, meh, meh. But I think it, just seeing everyone else already coming together and figuring out how to do their online presentations a little bit faster is, I think... I guess it's surprising to me that they're already like, sorry, we're going to take a very long time to figure this out. So maybe I, I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with some of their projects, and this also just works in line with that too. And they could just delay their messaging a little bit. But
3: yeah, Dustin, where do you land on on BlizzCon getting canceled this year? I'm not shocked. Like, I think it's an obvious move that they had to make. Mm. Uh, however, Blizz BlizzCon has actually been a leader in online broadcast for their event alongside companies like PAX and stuff like that, they've really, really managed to make something very, very cool. And like Evo's also done it. And a lot of those come, like Evo announced that they're doing a digital Evo, for example, and that's, that's really cool. I think Blizzard just has this standard that they want to adhere to, and perhaps they're not ready to pivot to make what they were going to present In this new format. So they're just like, we're going to take a really long time, make sure that we get this right and try it again in 2021. But I mean, just speaking from our experience, it's definitely been a tremendous lift that we all, you know, sort of figured out together. Mm -hmm. And we have Summer of Gaming coming up down the line shortly. So, I definitely understand the undertaking that is being asked. And especially when you've built your entire infrastructure a la- around uh, what would take place in a convention center versus mm. at people's houses, that's a really difficult pivot to make. So I, th- I think that has more to do with it than anything. And good, they canceled it. COVID-19 is serious, and Yeah, like you said, Miranda, get it off your books. Like Just say you're canceling your <laughs> just event. Please, no just one's, go ahead. You're yeah. not doing anything yeah. in um, 2020. We all know it.
1: for for context blizzcon for those of you who forgot like me um it usually takes place the first few days of november so Mm. it's about probably a few months of delay which is a fair significant
2: for sure Mm -hmm. ryan do you think that we're going to see any information about you know maybe even diablo immortal or overwatch 2
0: i hope so i think they're booked on IGN summer of gaming so i (laughs) hope they're going to be showing something (laughs) cool but but yeah like it Diablo Immortal that I don't think they'll I don't think they would dare put that on a BlizzCon (laughs) stage uh, anytime soon after how that that little uh, we've been talking about messaging a lot on this episode. And it's like that was a case study in in how not to message something, which is like, hey, we know you want Diablo four. How about a mobile game? Right. Right. Come on. You know, you want it. So yeah, <laughs> immortal probably not anytime soon and and uh, Miranda with your with uh, your buddy Rod Ferguson over there now, uh, I think he's probably smart enough to know <laughs> so maybe uh, keep that on on the down low till maybe right before it's gonna come out and then let the, hopefully so let they're the ready game, yeah let the yeah. game speak for itself when it is but but yeah Diablo 4 seems like a ways off. But yeah, you you mentioned it, Khalif. Overwatch Two feels like the big one that's right. that's they're probably about ready to talk about. And and who knows if this delay only ends up being a few months from the usual November slot for BlizzCon, three, four, five months, then then that could just kind of match up with like we've seen so many games get delayed and timelines get pushed back by COVID and and the transition to work from home. That maybe it'll just kind of work out where where they'll they'll be. Whenever BlizzCon is happens next, they'll be ready to talk about Overwatch 2. Just like if there hadn't been a COVID, they would have been ready to talk about it in November. So So, we'll see. I mean, it's fine.
1: (laughs) To to also be nice, uh, it could be that part of those different factors, what if they were going to release a game during BlizzCon? Like this is now out. Like this is now a thing. And now they have to delay it because they still want to do that. And mm. so they'd probably have to delay the launch if that were a thing. I'm just like throwing ideas out there to try to get them to be nice. I feel bad. I got a little harsh. <laughs> but um, like that could be something. So I'm I'm not too sure what else there would be. But yeah, I mean obviously working from home in the situation is is very complicated, but yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean I feel like they definitely will have space to 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 again own the moment uh, yeah. because they will have Basically, there's time to shine with, a, with with whatever they do for BlizzCon, uh, even though it won't be a physical event. Whatever the online version of what that thing will be, um, it will be really interesting to see if they do show anything from Overwatch Two because it still feels—I don't know why—it still feels like that game is so deep into production and deep into development. Uh, I mean, the, the Overwatch One, like it's still being uh, supported in that, in that way. That oh, even saying Overwatch Two still feels weird. For me. It looks too yeah. much like yeah. that game to be a thing yet. I don't know why. It almost
1: seems like it's the same game. Just a little. Exactly. Yeah. There's well, there's some PVE stuff and we changed <laughs> the character models. Okay. <laughs> I don't know.
3: <laughs> I really yeah,
1: don't. Know. I have to really prove that game is something special because right now it does not seem like a real upgrade.
0: Yeah. And but. it's been four years. Like, yeah, it feels, it's just, yeah. Like I'm, I Overwatch just isn't really my bag. I know millions of people love it. I'm still bitter that it won IGN's game. I'm still bitter, bitter at my coworkers because it won the game of the year over Inside, which is just an artistic masterpiece. True. So I think I'm just bringing a little personal bias to the situation.
1: Uh, <laughs> I guess also maybe something that could be good for them is that this will take place. After next gen's already out, so this would have probably oh. happened after next gen anyway, but it's like enough into the cycle, maybe that it's like something exciting for them to show. It's like the beginning of the year, it's like, okay, well, now this is out on next gen, and it's what we also have planned to implement for new next gen games. So, mm. Khalif, yeah, have you
0: ever attended a BlizzCon in person? Have you ever been?
2: No, I've always wanted to go, yeah, me uh, neither. But I never had the chance to, uh, also because I never got press passes. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things to try to figure out, like, how do you get in? What do you want to cover? Also, because mm. it's one of those things of where the games that Blizzard makes, again, most of them are games of service. Most mm. of them feel like they've been out for a very long time. So you go to cover it from a, a podcast perspective to say, like, you put out this new expansion so I guess I should fly down to whoever it is and, and, and go check that out. It's a hard show to cover, but mm-hmm. I, what I love about when I watch BlizzCon is just seeing just how many people are um, so passionate about the, the, the IPs and the games that Blizzard makes. Like, so many people over the generations of WoW and, and now Overwatch and then all the other games that are in that space. Like, cosplay is so beautiful and great and fantastic, uh, and, and the vibe that you get from, from folks at shows like that it's just always infectious and, and super, super fun. So, like, I, I love going to, to shows like that because of that energy. Um, but the games themselves, it's really not easy to cover in a way that feels comprehensive to the audience in a, in, in a good way. So, yeah, next year, hopefully, you know, we'll see what happens and, and see how that all works uh, for that. But I'm, I'm, I'm hyped for that to be a thing. Um, we're about to open the loot box this week. Uh, Francois from Quebec City says, we all know that Xbox, lo- uh, Xbox last live event went down and it was just uh, that it didn't meet the expectations that a lot of people had. Uh, since then, Sony presented only two games, but each with their own 18 plus minute extensive gameplay look and both seems to have been really well received. you think Microsoft should take notes and change their strategy? Or, you know, he would personally love to see a 20 minute deep dive of Halo Infinite or Fable over an hour long show with 20 games in it. So that's a great question. That's a fantastic question. Thank you, Francois, for asking that.
3: What do you think about that? Let's go to Destin first. I think that I agree with that assessment. I think that the, the big reveal of all the games was good, but then they didn't show gameplay segments of those mm. releases. I would have been totally happy with, like, five game reveals with extended gameplay demos, like trailer, gameplay, trailer, gameplay, and they do a better job of that with the E3. E3 conferences can go two hours or longer sometimes, and they often uh, showcase at least one thing that you're really saying, hey, here's a gameplay demo, a big chunk, and we're proud to put our flag in the ground and say, this is what it's going to look like. It's unfortunate that we didn't get it for that event. And I hope they do it more in the future, but doing like just one game at a time, that's, that's more difficult. I don't, I don't know about that. I think I like what Xbox did. I would really, really like to also see gameplay segments to that presentation though. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what are your, what are your thoughts about them kind of changing
2: the way that they plan to kind of do this based on seeing the competition?
0: Well, the reason—the reason, in my opinion—that Nintendo can do a Smash Brothers only direct, and that Sony can can do uh, a, a a state of play just on Ghost of Tsushima and just on The Last of Us Two, is because those two companies have the killer first party games. Like, yeah. if if we're being honest, again, as of today, the only game where they they where people would legit get excited to just tune into a a special in, you know inside Xbox 20 minutes it's just going to be one game is Halo Infinite that's it like yep. there's hopefully there's we're going to find out about a whole bunch more of those caliber kind of <laughs> games at the July thing but that's to me that's what it comes down to it's like it's it, it does it seems like every almost every problem that Xbox has <laughs> comes back to you need the killer first party games that if they could get that then everything else can kind of fall into place but fundamentally i definitely agree with francois like the he was he was referring to the may event with the third party games that was not super well received and yeah it was it was that was not the best first step into next gen for for microsoft certainly for them to be representing that way and so yeah it's like i would I would love to see, I'm hoping over time, as, you know, for Halo Infinite and then in the future, Fable and whatever the initiative is, is working on and then whatever Obsidian's next-gen RPG is and then we talked last week about uh, After Wasteland 3, in Exiles, Unreal Engine 5, next-gen RPG. Like, hopefully all that stuff will be big enough and exciting enough where they can, Microsoft can get away with hyping people up just with these smaller single game focus things. But for now, I just, they don't, I don't think they can get away with They don't have anything <laughs> worthy.
2: Yeah. Miranda, what are what are your thoughts about, you know, what they could possibly do to kind of fix that trend or, or, or give them what, give the people what they want
1: basically. I th- yeah. I think Dustin did have a good point where if they just showed more gameplay, Like, that would really go far, right? Like, yes, obviously, we want Halo. We want these really big AAA first-party games to be at the front and center. But since they're not really ready to do that yet, they do really need to lean into this gameplay. It's like, look at the potential that we have here. Look at these other cool games. They may not be first-party, but they might be exclusive, or they might be something that could be really up your alley. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing new IPs, honestly, and I always get really excited about that. And even though the May event was not perfect... Um, I think it was a decent start for what they could show. uh, And and I think they're going to hopefully keep iterating on that. So, yes. More gameplay, I think, will go very far for them. And honestly, I don't know. Like Some groups can definitely just show one game and get away with it, but that's all they have right now. At least I'm I'm glad that Microsoft is showing other things too, than rather than just their first-party stuff. Like they're trying to show a lot of different kind of things and giving a platform to smaller companies as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Normally Xbox it would have to. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dustin. Yeah. Normally it would have been like the big reveal and then like shows for three days straight where they showed extended gameplay demos of those games. It's just a little bit of a weird situation. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They're going to have to come with the heat. We all know it. It's it's a part of the conversation. We all remember that May event. And a lot of people felt that they did not nail the expectations that they set for for people kind of coming into that space. So they have lots and lots of work to do. I, I am curious to see if they even broach Halo Infinite in a real way. I feel like they kind of have to um, to make sure that people are really going to be excited for what this next gen is going to wind up bringing. But Brenda, did you have a thought?
1: Yeah, I think they mentioned, so for sure, Halo Infinite, and then something from Double Fine. I forget who else they specifically mentioned for the July event. I think
0: Obsidian was, was specifically Sydney. called out as well. Yeah. yeah, so
1: there were a few okay. studios that were like, for sure, you will see things from them. So okay. that's, that's good that they have the promise there, but it feels like July is forever away, but suddenly it's already June, so, you know.
2: <laughs> I know, the time is things flying. Move. Time yeah. is flying. It's flying in the world, it's flying on the show as well, so that means we should be moving on to... Unlock block trivia. Eric from McKinleyville, California, asks: When Bungie's first—I'm sorry—when Bungie first announced Halo ODST back in 2008, what was the original name of the game? Was it A. Halo Three Recon, B. Halo Three Nightfall, C. Halo Three Helljumpers, or D. Halo Three Stealth? Ooh, that is a very, very good question. Do you know this, Kali? I don't know know? this one. I don't know this one at all. i know i
0: i obviously put i pulled this question out of our email box and i did know this anyway so yeah i'm kind of curious to hear who else if anybody else thinks they know it yeah destin i would think you might know this one i know it you know it. i feel like i
1: have a i have like a gut feeling but i don't quite remember but i i I know which ones i can rule out at least i think i'm not confident
0: Khalif, you want to play for play for fun here as guest host
2: yeah, absolutely. I'm going to guess uh, the one that only the one that only really makes sense to me is probably Helljumpers, because that seems like a very, very PR way to to, to, put, <laughs> to, to put a game out like that sounds like a, a code name for a game that you would hear. So I'm going to I'm going to go with C for now and, and, and probably be wrong, but I'll I'll take that one. I'm going to go with B
1: Nightfall.
3: Kay. OK. OK. That's kind of Yeah, so the ODST are referred to in the books as Helljumpers, right? So I could see why you went to Helljumpers. Nightfall is an activity in Destiny 2, so also created by Bungie, a term. But I believe the answer is Halo 3 Recon because Ryan has a shirt that says Halo 3 Recon on it.
0: I almost wore it today, just to see what, just to see if anybody would catch it. Like I, I looked at it in my drawer, knowing because wow. I prepared this yesterday. I was like, I wonder if I should, if I should. Uh, I was like, now nah, I, I won't give anybody that much of an, of an advantage.
1: Dang it! You should have help us out here.
3: <laughs> yeah, cause I'm cause so, like, so a,
1: you. A. Yeah. a is
3: my answer if, if I wasn't clear.
0: <laughs> By the way, Dexton, uh, nightfall. I wonder what is it? Nightfall was the horrible uh Wasn't
1: it the show or something? action thing? It was the okay. bad one,
0: not the good is, Forward I, into Dawn was the one that was pretty good, and Nightfall was the one that was pretty bad.
1: Yes, because I remember there was, was a Halo Nightfall something and I couldn't remember was it, is like was did I hear that from an old game name? Or is that one of the shows? Cause like there are surprisingly quite a few Halo show things and some of them are smaller oh, projects. So I couldn't remember. Oh
3: okay. right.
1: I was it's like so that cool- Nightfall is somewhere out there.
3: It's so cool when I see stuff in Destiny that I know Bungie utilized for Halo and even if it was a bad TV
1: show, you know. God but, yeah. damn it. <laughs> TV show strikes again, thwarting yeah. my answers.
2: It ma- it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. d- what what do we know what the answer is or do we just wait?
0: Oh, it it was what Recon. Did? Yeah, it's it was Recon. I got it. Yeah, it was Recon and I I do have a shirt from I got I was I previewed it up up at Bungie Obviously, it must have been shortly after they announced it and, and they, I got a T-shirt. And then when they changed the name, I was like, cool, maybe this T-shirt will be uh, like a collector's <laughs> item now.
1: I had no idea it was called Recon. I thought that was going to be too boring. <laughs> it's a boring name. Is like, Recon? I, I don't know.
0: Can I has Recon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can.
2: Man, Except I it's just called want ODST. I'm to go back and play ODST, though, for sure. <laughs> I haven't played that in a very long time. I want to go back so and good. play that game because it was really, really good. Super, yeah. super good. Yeah. So it looks like that's the end of the show. We have reached the end of Podcast Unlocked. So I'm very, very thankful to be here. Thank you all for having me. I know you all have things to plug from your socials. Please, 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 please go down the line. Share where people can check out your work and check out more of the stuff that you're doing. I want to start off with you, Ryan. You You let that go first.
0: Sure. You can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, on IGN, I don't know. I think I'm just doing all like future, future stuff. Nothing, nothing to mention as of now. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you to Khalif for, for accepting our invitation and and making the time to come on and, and again, watch, uh, check out spawn on me. And if hopefully you fall in love with the, the entire show, but at least watch, watch that most recent episode or listen to it and, uh, and just, just take it
2: in. That's all I ask. Awesome, awesome. Dustin, where can they find you? Where can they find your work?
3: I'm not going to plug my stuff today. They should follow you at Spawn on Me or your personal account. Uh,
0: Wait, making me look K-H- like
3: a real H- jackass, Dustin. K i n s. if you're looking for the spelling for Khalif's Twitter. But yeah, check out Spawn on Me. Uh, Miranda, you got it.
1: Yeah, me, please. I know I have to, too. I haven't gotten a chance to. I actually don't listen to a lot of gaming shows just because... Like we're so ingrained in this every day that I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> but I am very excited to listen to your episode. Um yeah. so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then also I think I am also gonna quietly plug something for myself. Uh so at night, I know things have been really stressful. Things have been really stressful for me too. So I am trying to stream very late at night sometimes. Like if like very chill, relaxing games. So if you just need something to listen to, just to try to wind down a little bit, I'm gonna try to do that every now and then. So I will be posting about that and of course have Plenty of leaks and ways that you guys can help out and educate yourself and family and everyone else around you um, on all the channels.
2: Very, very cool. And before we get up out of here, I am Khalif Adams, the captain of the Spawn on Me podcast. You can check me out every Thursday on Twitch at twitch.tv slash spawn on me. You can check out our YouTube channel as well. Uh, And we do really fantastic work. We hope that you really appreciate the fact that we are trying to spotlight people of color in the video game industry and and rock with us when we do so. So again, thank you to everyone here at IGN. Thank you, Ryan, for the invite to come through to rock with you for Podcast Unlocked. This is, has been a bucket list item that I now get to check off. Uh, so I am very excited uh, at the possibility of doing this. And again, you're all invited to come to Brocago and become residents. Uh, so we have to get you all on the show soon uh, to come rock with us as well. So again, thank you from me and from everybody else here at Podcast Unlocked.